Access Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, PayPal's big move into China and a possible Texodus for Republicans. But first, Mark Zuckerberg fights back. So earlier this morning, tech media site The Verge published audio and a transcript from two internal Facebook meetings that occurred in July, during which Mark Zuckerberg took questions from company employees. It touched on everything from reputation to competition to corporate governance, but the biggest headlines related to comments Zuckerberg made about a certain presidential candidate. Like Elizabeth Warren, who thinks that the right answer is to break up the companies, you know, I mean, if she gets elected president, then I would, I would bet that we will have a legal challenge, and I would bet that we will win the legal challenge. This is one of those times where Zuck said the quiet part out loud and reflects how the so-called tech lash isn't just something being ginned up by D.C. journalists. It's a real fear in Silicon Valley, particularly among big tech CEOs like Zuckerberg. And remember, this came in July, well before Warren began surging in the Democratic primary polls. So four things to know. First, Zuckerberg said his company would go to the legal mat to fight any breakup attempts and believes it would succeed. Number two, he also argued that companies like Facebook and Amazon are better at fighting things like election fraud because they're big, although he didn't directly address the anti-competitive behavior piece that folks like Warren push on. And three, speaking of Warren, she's already replied this morning via Twitter, not via Facebook, saying that America, quote, must fix a corrupt system that lets giant companies like Facebook engage in illegal anti-competitive practices stomp on consumer privacy rights, and repeatedly fumble their responsibility to protect our democracy, end quote. And number four, it's worth noting, both Warren and fellow Facebook critic Donald Trump, her possible rival in 2020, both are Facebook advertisers. The bottom line here, this is the tech leak of the year and could have all sorts of consequence for both presidential politics and the future of Silicon Valley. In 15 seconds, we'll be joined by The Verge senior editor Casey Newton, who got the leak. But first, this. This episode is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Know everything about coding, but not so much about banking? For more than 35 years, Silicon Valley Bank has been helping high-growth companies navigate through each stage of the startup journey. Stay tuned to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. We're joined now by Casey Newton, a senior editor for The Verge and author of today's Big Get. So, Casey, let's set the stage a bit here. You report that Zuckerberg and this audio is from two open meetings with employees. Are those sorts of meetings at Facebook common or were these specifically in response to kind of rising anxieties within the company? Yeah, so these are regular meetings that the company holds in the course of business, and they're sort of you know broadly open to folks who might be interested in coming. He basically makes an argument where he says, look, if Elizabeth Warren, for example, gets elected president and there was a fight or a push to break up Facebook, A, he says, you know, we'll fight hard and we'll win. But he also makes kind of this um, bigger argument that breaking up big tech companies is counterproductive to the goals of people like Warren. Is that a persuasive argument that bigger is better when it it comes to fighting things like foreign interference or, or hate speech or things like that? Well, I, I wish we had a lab where we could test it out, right? Like Facebook <laughs> says that it is only because it is this monolith that it can afford to fight election interference. And, you know, in the audio, Zuckerberg goes on to say that Twitter doesn't do as good of a job because it has less money. You know, but it also strikes me that these companies were a lot less trouble when they were small, right? When Facebook was still limited to college students, uh, people weren't using it to try to influence American elections. So I think there's just as good an argument for a small size uh, as there is for a big one. Facebook uh, for a while now has been doing on the back end from a tech perspective, from a code perspective, has been doing a lot more integration of its various platforms, you know, whether that be WhatsApp and Instagram with the kind of the big blue box or the big blue app. How difficult if, if someone like Warren did 
become president, and there was a real push. How difficult would it be to actually break up Facebook from a real practical perspective? Leave the legal stuff out of it. Well, it's getting harder all the time for exactly the reason that you mentioned. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is a really smart, ruthless person. He can see this regulation coming down the pike. And so he is doing everything he can to make that breakup as difficult as possible. It started earlier this year with unifying the back end between all the messaging apps, you know, as you pointed out. That said, is it something that regulators could probably find a working solution to? I do believe they could. You know, Zuckerberg obviously has to rally the troops and has to say, you know, we'll go to, as he said, you know, we'll go to the mat here. If, there, if there's a legal fight, we will prevail, et cetera, because that's what a CEO says to his employees. Do you get a sense, though, when you speak to people inside of Facebook, whether they be employees or executives, how confident are they that they actually could withstand a serious legal challenge, uh, you know, a major kind of, as he calls it, existential threat? Yeah, well, I think one thing that really comes across in the transcripts is the deep sense of unease that is being felt across the company. Folks like us tend to think of Facebook as this very high-flying company that is impervious to damage. But if you listen to employee after employee come up to the microphone, they're worried. They're worried about Facebook's reputation. They're worried about what Elizabeth Warren and the rest of the government might do to it in the future. And so I think these transcripts really kind of capture the company at a moment where there is a sense of crisis. You know, you mentioned the company's reputation. There's an interesting uh, interaction there between an employee who basically you know, says to Zuckerberg something along the lines of, you know, when I talk to my friends, I don't get the same cheer, you know, that I used to get, you know, I work at Facebook. It's kind of considered a negative. In D.C., it's one thing and where Elizabeth Warren is. You're in the Valley. Is it no longer a badge of honor to work at Facebook? I think it sort of depends. I think there are still probably plenty of college students who would jump through any hoop to be able to work at Facebook, right? The salary is obviously very good. It, it is a stable job. But yeah, I do think it's lost some of its luster. And we've actually seen reporting over the past year that has suggested that Facebook is having a harder time recruiting than it used to. The percentage of job applicants who accept offers from Facebook is on the decline. So clearly this has affected their recruiting uh, pipeline, you know, in, in ways that go far beyond just, you know, what was the headline of the day? You know, it's interesting. You know, there's, there's been talk ever since Trump became president of, of this kind of unease and this difficulty Silicon Valley CEOs have had working with the White House, if only because when they even appear to be even sitting down at the table, there's this fierce employee backlash, kind of a, a cultural local backlash neighbors, friends, et cetera. We saw Zuckerberg in the last couple of weeks go to D.C. He met not only with kind of congressional critics like Josh Hawley, but he, he met with President Trump. Now we've got audio of him basically saying Elizabeth Warren is kind of our mortal enemy here. Do you feel is there a risk that Facebook has of that that's going to really, really expand here and there's going to be a, a cultural pushback against Facebook from its own people? Well, you know, a pushback from the own people, it, it's really hard to know. This has traditionally been a company where, you know, if you compare it to, I don't know, Google or even Amazon, there tends to be less employee organizing, you know, than we see at the other big companies. This is still a, a company where people work there because they believe in the mission of, of connecting the world. But, you know, we've also seen, uh, you know, over the past year that, that big reports uh, can really rattle the company and can force people to push for changes. And so while I don't think it's going to kind of tip over and we're going to see like a Facebook walkout, uh, you know, over, you know, any of the issues that have been reported so far this year, I do think it bears watching because when you work for a mission driven company, if the company isn't fulfilling in the values that it espouses, you're going to get mad and you're going to want to march in the street. One other question kind of tangential to that, which is users, right? You now have the CEO of Facebook who has come out and said that Elizabeth Warren is against us and she would be a big problem. There, obviously, as you know, so much conversation 
conversation about what you and I actually see in our news feeds and filter bubbles and, and what news is being presented, what news isn't. Does Facebook and, and does Zuckerberg have to come out and say something in relation to this leak, if only because there are now going to be the inevitable accusations of news feed bias? I think it's a really interesting question and definitely the, the thing I will be paying the closest attention to in the days and weeks to come. I can tell you that Facebook declined to comment on my story. So, you know, they did not feel the need to add any context around what Mark said. Probably also worth saying that in the transcript, he refers to people like Elizabeth Warren. You know, some of the tweets have kind of chopped off yep. the context and all of a sudden it's become, you know, Mark Zuckerberg slams Elizabeth Warren. You know, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but you know, will it raise questions in people's minds? And, and frankly, will it just draw attention to how much power Facebook uh, could have in influencing the election if it wanted to? I, I hope it does, right? Because it's the size and the power are, are so much of what is of, of public interest when it comes to Facebook. Casey Newton, senior editor of The Verge. Uh, everybody, go to theverge.com. It is at the top of their site. My guess is it will be there for days. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks very much, Dan. Appreciate it. My final two, right after this. Earlier, we highlighted Silicon Valley Bank's experience with helping startups. But with Silicon Valley Bank, you're also getting a partner committed to supporting you as you strive to hit your next milestones. Perhaps that's why 50% of VC-backed tech and life science companies choose Silicon Valley Bank. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. Now it's time for our final two. And first up is PayPal, which today said that it's received Chinese regulatory approval to become the first ever foreign company to provide digital payment services inside of the country. It's doing so through the acquisition of a small Chinese company called GoPay, which already had an online and mobile payment license that PayPal will now assume. Now to be clear, PayPal has a huge competitive hill to climb as GoPay is a gnat compared to elephants like Alipay and WeChat. But there are possibly trillions of dollars of annual payments here. And don't be surprised if PayPal rivals like Stripe and Adyen seek similar deals and similar approvals in the near future. And finally, Texas has been rock solid red in national politics for decades, providing the Republicans with a big state counterbalance to deep blue California. But Axios's Alexi McCammon this morning reports that Texas's increasing demographic diversity could put the state up for grabs. Maybe it's not quite purple, but it's certainly getting pink. So six incumbent Republicans from Texas already have said they'll retire at the end of this congressional term. Following a 2018 campaign, in which the GOP lost two House seats from Texas and nearly saw Beto O'Rourke topple Ted Cruz for the Senate. The bottom line here is that Texas is a very pricey place to play, and Democrats must soon decide if the Texas tide has turned enough to make it worth the investment for 2020. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great National Homemade Cookies Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.